From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. It's great to be back with you again. I say that every time, but it is. It's so great to be back with you. I have several servants that are with me right here. I'm going to start with Dario Richards, who is in Barbados. Hi. <laughs> he was waiting for me to say other stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, to my left, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. To my right, Natalie Franco. God bless you guys. And re- thank you. Oh, <laughs> you didn't see that coming. Was, no. <laughs> you know those blessings that come out of nowhere, Brad. That's, those are the best. That's great. Um, it, we are a podcast that deals with healthy church and missions and culture, and uh, we're going to do that again today. Sometimes we just open up the mics and we're just like, we've been thinking about so many different things. We need to let several of the people that are part of this cast uh, just kind of talk about that. And so let's start with Dario. What have you been thinking about? What's God been placing on your mind? And especially regarding, you know, as this podcast, regarding culture and missions and much more. Yeah. Um, so by the time you guys heard this, hear this podcast, um, I would have a newborn baby who would be a couple months old, probably, probably about two, three months old. Um, so what has been on my mind recently is thinking a lot about missions, continuously being involved in cross-cultural missions, which involves some level of travel and a growing family. Um, That's been on my mind a lot. And I think the reason why it is on my mind a lot now is because at every stage in my journey in, in pursuing what I believe God's call on my life was, is in doing missions, there's somebody that has suggested to me that in the next season of my life, this would end. And it was something like this. You know, when I was young and single and traveling, they would say, oh man, when you get married, all of that will stop. <laughs> then you get married and you continue and they say, oh man, when that baby comes along, all of that will stop. You know, and we'll be able to make it you know, two babies. Now we are at our third um, <laughs> baby. So we have three children, four years and under in the house. And I'm now beginning to see on one end how possible it is, you know, to, to quote unquote stop, you know, to like just, just, you know, this is what life is. The family is growing. Um, let's just put everything else on the back burner and focus um, completely 100% here, either on family or work, and make sure you know you have all the money you need, etc. Uh, but then on the flip side, I've also seen a lot of examples of how uh, people have balanced well um, growing families, in some cases with more kids than I have, and also being able to continue in living out what they believe God has called them to. And so I've been thinking a lot Um, you know, wrestling with having a number of conversations about what does this season of life for me look like, balancing uh, my growing family, but also very clear on God's call to be involved in missions, specifically cross-cultural missions, uh, finding the, I don't want to use the word balance, but finding the right, I guess, alignment um, that, that they don't suffer, but in all spaces, I continue to glorify God. Um, so yeah, so that's the you know, my mind. 
Before you had children, and maybe maybe it changed when you were married as well, how often were you traveling for ministry? Yeah, so before I had children, I would on average, I would probably travel at least 10 days in nine months of the year. That makes sense? Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, yes. so so that is a lot. And and have you seen that change now that you have had one, two and, and now three small children? Um, actually it has not. Um, so uh, no, with the, with, with the additional of, um, Ashir, I haven't traveled since he, um, was born. So what I would do is whenever the new baby, a new baby comes, I would, you know, go on a pause from travel for a bit, uh, just to make sure that, you know, it's the, that beginning phase, newborn phase is a very chaotic, a lot of transitions is, uh, is happening. So just allow that to happen before I start traveling again. Um, but throughout the, the when you know, got married and baby one and baby two, I think in some years I actually traveled a bit more than I did before I was married. So if I'm hearing you correctly, uh, you're kind of wrestling with the concept of people that say, once you have a family, you can no longer be a part of a traveling ministry and a a ministry that really is demanding, right? But you're also trying to say, I understand that my life is different. So I want to be a part of this ministry still, do it with excellence, but I also need to recognize maybe this needs to look differently at this stage in my life. Is that correct? Yes, for sure. Yes. So as you say, like, I never believed that that one, one equal the other. That once you have a growing family, you cannot do this or you cannot be involved in this. And the reason why I never believed it is because I always saw persons from different cultures doing it and seemingly doing it well. So there were some that appeared to be doing it well, but I know that you can be fooled by appearances. So I would ask some of them very pointed questions about, you know, how they how they do it with their family and with their uh, ministry and they were able to give some very good insights and very good instruction that I knew that it wasn't just a facade like they were actually doing it well so because I always had examples around me of persons who were who were who were who were doing it with excellence I always felt like there must be a way that I can do it as well however what I must say is that most of those persons are from a completely different cultural context that I mean, you know, like just the whole family dynamics are different to mine. But I always felt as though um, once once I made the effort, once I took it serious enough that myself and Lynn, because it's not just me, obviously, it's in communication, in discussion, in partnership with Linda, that we're able to discover a way that we can actually get it done. It's Emily, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking through 20 years of now our children, you know, are, are almost, uh, <laughs> well, they're grown. Let's put it that way. They're, 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 uh, uh, we'd tw- like to call them adults, but yes. they're yeah. young adults. They're yeah. young adults. <laughs> yeah, they are 20 and 18, but like we've seen people that literally like they'll say no to every invitation, every ministry thing, every local church uh, thing. No, uh, no, we have the, no, the kids, I'm sorry, just the kids, you know, and we've always like bristled against that. But at the same time, there have been times where, and I'm looking at you now, not the league. Yeah. Like, well, there are times when there's a youth event and it's just like, 
partly because we're older and we don't have the same energy as we did, but it's not always that it's, it's also like, we're, we just have a different rhythm now. Like our rhythm is just different from what it once was. And so, you know, I, I'm interested, Emily, what, what you would, what wisdom you would have as you've really thought about this. We've talked about this so many times throughout the years. Yeah, I think there's definitely a seasonality of life. And I believe even on this podcast, we've kind of talked about, you know, rhythms and seasons. And um, I definitely can say that even as we were, we've never had three children, Dario. So (laughs) I'm I'm thinking we're not going to have three children. If we did, that would be a massive surprise from the Lord. Um, However, with two children, I would say we constantly revisited the conversation. We did not allow one decision to be the decision that we made for the rest of our lives. I feel like that was a conversation that we probably talked about And I wouldn't even say it was intentionally. It just naturally came up in our conversation about every six months because Mm -hmm. as the kids hit different developmental stages and what they were doing in life and what what I needed as a wife of Scott in the house, because in our situation, Scott was the one that would travel and I being the wife and the mom would stay home with the young kids. And there were times that I remember telling him, as the kids were very young, it was very difficult on me for him to leave for extended periods of time. So if he wanted to do like, because ministry usually entails like you're working with budgets and things like that, he would be like, well, if I go to Mexico, I can stay for 12 or 14 days and I can go to like five different districts and it's only one airline ticket. And I remember, you know, telling him a few times like, but I can't literally as a person, have you gone for 14 days? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I can't imagine myself here in the house with a six-year-old and a four-year-old for 14 days all by myself. Like I, God created us to do this together and that's too long for me. But I also remember when we lived in Costa Rica that Elijah was eight or nine years old. And there was a time that Scott came home and I had seen the difference of what our life looked like. And Elijah was old enough that he was starting to take on responsibility that I didn't have to do all on my own. So like it provoked another conversation with Scott. Okay, well, like maybe things are changing. The kids are getting older. They can do more for themselves. And definitely now that they're I mean, they're out of our house, you know, like we are different people. And and we did cut back on a lot of travel really intentionally for a season of time because we felt like we needed to be in our home for our kids. But again, that was a season. And so I think mm-hmm. I think this conversation is seasonality. And I would even affirm you, Dario, that I do believe that God has created families and homes to be able to find the rhythms, find the seasons. And our lives are different. When you're called to missions nowadays, it inherently means that you're going to be traveling. Very few missionaries stay in their right. home culture where they're called to like forever. You know, it's a, it's just a lot of travel. Missions work is international nowadays. Um, and I think that's a part of the call that God places. So uh, Dario, um, I'm just curious, have you had many of those conversations with Lynn, with Linda? And um, do those conversations look different now than they did five or 10 years ago? Oh, yes, for sure. Before we had kids, you know, we would have conversations about how often I'm gone because one of the dynamics uh, for our marriage is Lynn is not from Barbados. So she's from, she's from Guyana. So when she moved to Barbados, I'm also being a missionary while she's settling into a new home. I don't have as many friends, not as comfortable sometimes. And those were early, in the early days, you know? Yeah. Um, so 
traveling then, the biggest concern would have been more about Linda's um, comfort, her security, her safety, making sure she's good and taken care of. And I could have been gone a bit more days. After we started having children, the conversation shifted and I started putting like a, a timeline on how long I am out. Hmm. So for the last couple of years, there's this limit I put that I only travel once a month. And, and this is really 10 days, the 10 days idea came in, you know, so that I only travel once a month. And I don't allow that to go more than 10 days, including the travel days. And the reason why it's 10 days is because sometimes there are some countries it takes you four days to get there alone. Right. <laughs> four days to get there and get back. Right. And so there's this 10-day restriction. Um, so now, another, another conversation would have to come up or is happening about this ne the next couple of years in our life. Um, so back then it was, a, a you know, like we could do this on a monthly now I suspect the conversation can move to like a, probably every other month or, you know, like mm -hmm. like these conversations, as Emily was saying, that you can't just have one and then there's this consistent coming back to the table, having discussions as life changes, as, you know, so, so you know, Emily used the example of, um, of your son, you know, being able to take on responsibility. But I also saw um, sometimes when, Lynn's family is here able to visit or even when my family is able to come and give some time that also creates another mm -hmm. um another level of cushion which you know is unique to to us because we are based in our home country and I go and come which will be different to you guys who completely live in another country away from family you know uh, so I know that dynamic will be a bit different on our end but it's just this consistent conversation, as Emily said, you know, like, like we just have, have to be consistent in the place of communicating, being honest and landing on the best, the, was the, was the best way to navigate mm -hmm. this based on the current season that we're in. So a lot of conversations, consistent conversations happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty humbling. Um, there are times where you think you have to be the one, you know, and I'm talking to myself here. I have to be the one to make that trip. And then you realize there's probably someone that could do that. That's closer, fits better in their schedule and maybe yeah. sometimes can do it better. Right. And you're like, Oh, I didn't want to admit that. But a lot of times those talks are so important as a couple, because when you really get down to it, there are times where it's like, every trip is important. Right. But like, is this yeah. necessary? I think is a different conversation. Yeah. Oh yes. Just for March, we have been having that conversation. There were two meetings. There was, well, one I definitely was supposed to attend, and then there was another one that, in, one was in Malta, and the other one in Turkey, hmm. um, in the end of Turkey that wasn't affected by the earthquake. And, you know, occasionally, I don't know if you if this happens to you too, um, Scott, as a, as a missionary, it's never about traveling just for getting new stamps in your passport. You know, like, you don't ever want right. to, oh, I'm a world traveler, no. I do missions, I go to... <laughs> discover, develop, deploy. But at the same time, like, if you see a country that you have never been to before, there's still a level of excitement. Oh, it would be interesting. I never even, I didn't even think about Malta. Mm -hmm. And this is in March. And I'm like, you know what, Dario? They don't even raise this conversation. <laughs> or if I do, because when it, when, when it happened, Linda heard when the invitation came. So it, it was a conversation. But I think 
setting my mind as well or having the conversations to begin to put structures in place also helps me to balance my own expectations and to honor those expectations as well, you know. Um, so, yeah, so, so sometimes it feels quote-unquote sacrificial, but when you reflect on it, as you say, Scott, you're like, was it? Is it really necessary? Realize it's really not that huge of a sacrifice. You know, it goes on with or without us. God will find a way. Yeah, that's that's a good word. And uh, you know, as I look at Natalie, maybe some would say, "Well, Natalie hasn't had much to say on this." But I would say, if you're listening to us out there and you are single right now, um, maybe maybe you're younger. There's a flexibility there, and uh, it's oh, not yes. it's not like your ministry life then is completely obliterated after that, and you have no flexibility. But um, I look back, and 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 there is there is that flexibility, or when you're like newly married, you know, and no kids, and and so take advantage of that time as well. It's not that one is better or worse, but there are rhythms that um, that God can certainly use even then. Well, let's turn. I mean, this is going to be an about face. This is going to be quite the, quite the change, I think. And we're just now going to ask Emily, what have you, has God been laying on your heart? I typically, during these times, my mind wanders towards uh, personal things that I've been doing. I know the past few times that we've had these opportunities, it's I'm bringing more of like what Dario brought today, you know, like this is what's happening in my life and what my kids are doing and stuff like that. And um, as I was thinking about um, podcasting right now, there are a lot of things that I think about. God has given me many, many opportunities to just like do deep dives into what I believe about Him, right? And And uh, part of that comes through my devotional reading. Some of it comes through the opportunities that we have in, in our own specific ministry to teach specific things. So I'm constantly uh, digesting things about God, right? Like, so I think there's a lot of times that um, what I'm thinking about is how do I explain something a little bit better or how am I more clear in this thought? And um, one thing that I've been confronted with recently, and Dario, you were even talking about, um, we are recording this right on the heels of when uh, the massive earthquake in Turkey and uh, Syria just took place just a a handful of weeks ago. And um, for me, it's been interesting to see um, the reaction of what I would maybe even call like hot and cold cultures. Um, sometimes we use hot and cold cultures. It's a it's a vocabulary that Sarah Lanier gave, gives us in a book that's called From Foreign to Familiar. And um, there has been a reaction that I have seen um, in some of the hot cultures of Latin America, um, which is my stomping grounds. And Daria, I'd love to know in the Caribbean, because I haven't necessarily had my ear to the ground to know if in the Caribbean uh, nations it's the same. But definitely with some of the things that I've been hearing, the the earthquake has produced this uh vocabulary and the church is constantly talking about we're in the end times. Like it provoked all of a sudden, it provoked the conversations of we're in the end times. Um, I remember that same conversation being provoked when COVID started to come and we're in the end times, you know, and it's like people get um, very uh, excited about it. They start to um, ask for um, big community repentance and uh, the things that go along with like the Lord is coming back today you know and and um i haven't felt that as much in the cold cultures of what we would say the united states canada um it is like it, uh, uh where it's a cold culture what she would say and 
And so I find myself in the middle of that. And so this is what I've been thinking about, right? Like I'm this missionary that is from a cold culture, but I've lived in a very warm, hot culture for many, many years. And so when these types of things happen, I I tend to think, what is um, my missionary response, right? Like what is the, because I feel like there's sometimes in me that I want to be the person that's like, whoa, 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 is like, like, like slow down. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> Jesus is coming back. We believe that. I, I profess that. That is a piece of my, how God is working to redeem this world. However, I also believe that there are things that have been happening for decades, centuries, uh, even millennia that um, are proving the prophecies of the Bible. It's not just like these one things that we see, right? And um, so that's a piece of what I've been thinking of as a missionary. How do I clearly communicate some of the things that I see the Lord, you know, telling us in the Bible and um, where I want to land this conversation is I think a lot of it when when we move into these um, times of God is revealing himself, right? Like I, I do recognize that. I believe God is giving us some like, wake up. Like there, there is going to be an end to this thing that we call the, the timeline of the earth and the, the things that are going on. And my mind wanders to the scriptures in Matthew 24, 25, and 26. And um, Jesus's parables that he uses with the wise virgins and the foolish virgins and the parable of the talents. These are, these are are parables that Jesus gave us to tell us how to spend our time waiting, right? And I think that's what my mind uh, goes to. And as I've been thinking about it, as, as it's been filling my thoughts a little bit more of like, okay, Jesus, like if you are coming back, let's say he comes back next week and you, you don't even hear this podcast, right? <laughs> like, what am I doing today that is preparing me for that then. Mm -hmm. That's not even preparing me, but that's preparing my community. That's preparing other people. Instead of, I don't like, I don't want to be this person that's there they're running around like a chicken with their head cut off is what we say, you know, like I don't want to be sounding the alarm of like Jesus is coming back, but then not offer any hope. Mm -hmm. I want Jesus coming back to be like this, um, to be this declaration of the kingdom is at hand. You know, like I want it to be when Jesus came and he said the kingdom is near and, and people want to be drawn to Jesus and, and they want to be a part of his ministry. And, and so I've just, th that's what I've been thinking about. And I don't have an answer. I wish, I think sometimes when we do things in missions, we don't always have an answer, right? God allows us to continue to move forward with a little bit of blurry vision, but I've been thinking about what are the things that I'm doing on the daily? What are the things that I'm doing on the weekly that I am prepared for Jesus to come back? Um, that, that I'm not sounding the alarm unnecessarily per se, but I'm also not so cold to it that I'm like, oh, well, this has been going on forever. You know, like, and so finding that middle line, I think it's, it's a, a gift of God for people that can see the both and, and um, yeah, so that's, that's what I've been thinking about. Culturally, um, you talked about hot and cold cultures and it's certainly uh, true on one side, we don't necessarily want to be like, come on. I mean, you know, just one earthquake doesn't explain that Jesus is coming back, you know, I mean, and, and then cause people to be just, you know, we know better than you. Right. You don't think, but on the other side, we don't want to just be like, everything is a sign. Everything is a mm. signal. Everything is a, and so like you're saying, how can we as missionaries, mm -hmm. how can we as you know, I mean, we, we read the Bible. We are we are seen in our in this culture as authorities on the Word of God to instruct, uh, to guide, to not uh, pour 
water on the fire of right. people that, that say, we want to be ready. Right. No, of course. That's the whole point, right? right? But also to say, even the people in the first century thought that was the time. Yeah. Like, there is no way we're going to all die and, you know, and not, and Jesus has not come back, yes. you know? And so here we are 19 or 20 centuries later, and it's like, we're still saying the same thing. So it, I think that balance is fascinating, both yeah. from the cultural standpoint and also the, the theological standpoint. Yeah. I think a, a piece of just even as I hear you talk, Scott, something that I think is um, God's gift to the church is even thinking through some of that, um, the multicultural thoughts of it, right? Like there are different ways that each culture is processing through something that is happening in the reality around us. And, and I think as we are able to take in more of those thoughts, like God reveals himself through different cultures. He reveals himself through the way that people see the world. And, and the more that I can take in the way that Natalie sees the world, the more that I can take in the way that Scott sees the world, the more that I can take in the way Dario sees the world, you know, then, then our thoughts are more complete thoughts. It's not just like I have the right thought and they have the wrong thought. It's more of like, let's complete our thoughts together. Dario, I'm interested. What have you seen in the Caribbean? Which way would they lean more on the, um, this is the end times, you know, Jesus is coming back and, and any natural disaster is a confirmation of that or more on the um, kind of measured, you know, that's not always the case or I don't know. Is there a balance maybe? Oh yeah, man. We have the same. Actually, no, I think about it. I don't think it is as prevalent now as it was before, but we also have the experience of anything there is any major natural disaster um, is always a, a sign of the end times or, you know, the expression of the judgment of God, you know, that type of rhetoric oftentimes follows um, these types of disasters. And, and you know, like as, as obviously a, a, a church leader being involved in missions, always having to, um, wrestle with that discussion as well. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, you know, they say, yes, Jesus is coming back. I, I always respond and say, yep, he was coming back since he resurrected. You yeah. know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like his, his, the, the imminence of his coming again did not start with the earthquake. It started since he resurrected. Mm-hmm. Um, and from then, the responsibility that we have and how we prepare, the responsibility that we have um and how we look towards that, it, it drops first and foremost on the individual. Like if he is coming again, which we know he is, whether this earthquake was a sign or not, or am I prepared for that? Hmm. Am I doing what he requires or expects um, in preparation or in light of him coming again? And and the beauty about it is the life that he expects us to live or reflect the day before he comes again is a life that he expects a hundred years before he comes again. You know, there isn't any new, any new type of Christian. We don't, we don't evolve into a new level of Christianity. The closer it gets to Jesus coming, it's the same principles. It's the Hmm. same lifestyle, the same character, the same attitude um, that we should live all throughout the journey. Um, so for me, sometimes that's how I, I manage those conversations. But also, as Emily was saying, not ignorant to the fact that there are clear biblical 
uh, prophecies and indicators of of him coming again and what it will look like, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for many of us, um, there's still a level of uh, I, I call it to some degree Christian superstition, mm-hmm. you know, in that in that there is some biblical truth, some biblical um, understanding as it relates to the to the signs of the end times. But sometimes that truth is then mixed up with just, you know, it's intertwined with some of the other cultural conversations or cultural perspectives, um, which then creates this type of fear, you know. I don't, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but, sure. but yeah, that's been the experience that we have had, um, that I've had specifically as it relates to Christians in our part of the world in the Caribbean responding. But now that you mentioned it, um, Emily, as I said earlier, like I feel as though it's not as much as it used to be. Hmm. Like I don't, I don't hear it now as much a response to these things uh, as I once did. So maybe, maybe that's a good thing, or maybe that's a bad thing. Right. That could either be <laughs> a level of maturity, or that could just mm-hmm. be persons becoming more insensitive, <laughs> yes. apathetic. Yes. Of God, you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Natalie, are you seeing the same thing? Would you agree? I do. <laughs> um, and actually, Emily, when you were talking about this cultural thing, it reminded me back in 2012 when the Maya calendar was saying the world will end yes. in December 12th. I remember I was in senior year in high school. And everybody were with this fear and like giving offerings and like, um, you know, like trying to be good so they can go to heaven when the oh. world ends. And yeah. and, and did yeah. you feel that even in the Christian church? I will not say that much in the Christian okay. church, okay. just like the Dominicans. Yeah, mm-hmm. Dominicans. <laughs> and so like I was able to feel that fear and I was even thinking like, how is it going to be? Like, am I okay to? <laughs> <laughs> she starts checking her own life. <laughs> and so even though like I didn't see it that much in the church, like mm-hmm. because of what was happening around me, I was like, okay, I need to pay attention. Um, wow. What am I doing? <laughs> am I going to be safe? Or like, and so what you were saying, instead of being part of that culture of fear, mm-hmm. what if we don't give like hope and like the, this, this message of um, come, like the kingdom is coming. I think it, it's huge better because it helps a lot with the fear that it's right <laughs> in the culture. Provoke us. Yes. So thank you for saying that. Thank You're you welcome. so much. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people worry about the win, the W-H-E-N, <laughs> win. And I think what you were saying, Emily, is what we see in the scriptures maybe points to win. I don't feel that way very much because literally no one knows the hour, not even the sun. That right. amazes me. Not even Jesus knows the <laughs> time. He's just going to announce the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> but, but, you know, really what we see in those parables in, in, in you know, in Matthew 25 are be ready. Yeah. We must mm-hmm. be ready. And so instead of focusing on the date or the when, let's focus on, on how, how to live yeah. now. We don't know when it'll happen, but how do we live now, I think that is that is the crucial part um, that we need to play. If people would like to to touch base with us and, and talk with us about uh, some of these subjects, Emily, where can they find us? 
Yes, if you would like to congratulate us for wading through the waters of end times today, you can find us on our Facebook page, The Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also send us a message on mesoamericagenesis.org. It took everything in Emily to not say the word eschatology during this during this episode. Eschatology is one of my favorite words. She loves that word. The end times for all of you listening. Um well, we are the worthless servants, and uh, <laughs> if you hear this, that means we're still <laughs> waiting here. for Jesus we're to establish waiting. the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> and so I am Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm Dario Richards. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.